When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate. You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very you might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they can become something more. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host, Chris Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? Jesse, it's a pretty great day, man. How are you? It's a really great day. We got to play some MCP, so I'm doing really well. Oh, yeah. You're starting to get settled in in towns. I know it's going to take some time, house situation, job situation, all that stuff, but I'm looking forward to a lot of MCP and marvel discussions in the future when you get settled in we can kind of hit the podcast hard again that's the plan and i'm very excited for it should should be happening soon yeah man i i'm i'm ready to hit the hit the ground running i just gotta get a few things lined up settled out well i did mention that we played a marvel crest protocol game in person we played the shield base and the scroll objectives and we played spider foes versus defenders on my board that was finally revealed to the world on our social media more importantly our patron discord my savage lands board chris and it was a blast we had a lot of fun i got to proxy carnage because unfortunately minus just got here he hasn't been assembled yet but we he finally arrived yeah so we tried out some new models too pretty fun Uh, i had a great time i got two games in a win a loss the board is excellent. The defenders are super fun. Not much more to say. That's right. You did get two games and you got a game with one of our other fellow patrons before our game and you guys played defenders versus inhumans. So a lot of interesting matchups and fun things happening. And we will post more pictures of that on the social media. But you know, Chris, it was a very satisfying thing for me, as you know, at least cinematically to have carnage climb to the top of one of those giant savage land trees and just be symbiote tendrilling down from the top of the tree. It was so cinematic. It was so carnage just over and over again. He was up there. He did a lot of work. That wall crawler. It was very good. Yeah. And it was very cool. He was just raining carnage, you know, from above. That's what he does. That's exactly what he does. But speaking of maximum carnage, Chris, we're going to pick up there as the world right now is unfortunately forgetting about Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, and What If, which is a really great show, because Marvel dropped 
the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer on the world, and everyone else forgot about everything else Marvel coming up and currently in progress. And hey, man, it's it's a good problem to have, and what a trailer it was. So you and I are going to have some thoughts about it in the future, but just what are your quick thoughts? My quick thoughts are that I have not forgotten about What If or Shang-Chi or any of these other things. I'm caught up on What If. I like What If. But as far as Spider-Man goes, this is so exciting. And I have some I have some feelings about what's happening that I'm not going to share here. Of course, we will share it on a later episode, as Jesse said earlier, with <laughs> proper spoiler warnings and everything like that. It's a very exciting time to be a Marvel fan and you know, all this stuff's ramping back up again. So it's a, it's a really great time, Chris. Meanwhile, atomic mass games continues to drop spoiler after spoiler revealing the powerhouse that is the convocation faction. And we're going to cover that in our next news episode covering the month of August and all the news this month has had. But until then we are back to our normal format today and we are covering one of the iconic villains of Marvel, but also we're kind of starting to get closer to the end of our street level characters season of the show. We only have a couple of these episodes left after this, but it seemed too important, Chris, today to follow up Daredevil with Kingpin. In a lot of different ways, Jesse, this whole street level New York thing has been leading to the Kingpin. He's kind of the tie between a lot of these characters and extended characters, characters that we haven't gotten to. But he's a huge tie that binds a lot of these guys. And other than Doctor Strange, you know, the Defenders are not really a huge powerhouse team. That makes sense. Yeah. No, you're right. Well, the most recent iterations, of course, there have been multiple iterations. But but Kingpin is a frequent antithesis to the Defenders and just a lot of these street level New York heroes, right? Well, of course, and Kingpin kind of floats in and out of, of being a worldwide threat and wanting to take over the world or doing big, big things. But yeah, for the most part, he's 100% kind of representative of, you know, the New York crime boss slash corrupt political machine that is New York, cities like Chicago, things like that. So he's an interesting character. He's very integral to a lot of the characters we love the most in the modern MCU. You know, without him, we don't have them or as much of them or a certain aspect of them. So yeah, in a lot of ways, Kingpin is one of my top tier villains. Absolutely. I mean, he's not very flashy and he's certainly not one of the best visual designed, but then you add in kind of all his style and things on top of that. And that's kind of what takes it over the top, right? He's, he's more of an, an every man type character, but then you add all these other embellishments, which we'll get to in lore in a minute, which I think kind of make him stand out. Of course, his mind and his control over all the crime in the city as well. Now I will say, Chris, my first memories of Kingpin taking it way back was when I was younger watching, uh, of course the Spider-Man cartoon and Kingpin was a major, major element in that show. Sometimes he even organized a lot of the sinister six characters in tandem with each other. Like he, he would organize these elaborate plans to take down people in the city or Spider-Man, and he would rope in other villains, arguably more powerful than him. But it was interesting that in that Spider-Man show, he was a lot more front and center than he is in other Spider-Man properties. And that was really interesting. 
Well, I think a lot of that has to do with how they had to structure the show, needing a a recurring villain. And who better than the crime lord of New York City and in some ways the eastern seaboard of the United States in this universe? So it makes perfect sense. He controls New York in a lot of ways at a lot of points in, in a lot of people's kind of static memory of the MCU, you know, kind of the average MCU, the return to the mean is what I'm looking for. I think we just got a lot to talk about today, Chris, so need to get right into it. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Of course, our patrons support this show, Fury's Finest, at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoy our show, consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. And more importantly, if you become a patron, you get to join our Discord Marvel Crisis Protocol Fury's Finest community. And it's a wonderful community. I would say it's the best Marvel Crisis Protocol community on the internet because it really is a devoted, positive wonderful group of people any tier you immediately get access to that of course the other tiers you get more things and of course you get a thank on the show and today we have a special thank you right chris we absolutely do and just to kind of reiterate on something jesse was saying there you know our discord it's casual hardcore it doesn't matter you're welcome and we're all we all fit into those slots somehow and today a big thank you from us to you Josh P. Thanks, Josh. Thank you, Josh. means a lot. And Chris, this is so exciting. I could say this again in such a short amount of time. It's really not been that long since we got a new Avenger level producer on the show. Insane. We just got a brand new one and we have to thank them and add them to the repertoire of producers, which keep in mind, listeners at home, we only have so many slots for producers. There is a hard cap on this. These people do mean a lot. And you know, if you're interested in becoming a producer, check out the slots. But Chris, I think you need to give our new producer a nice introduction here. It is my distinct pleasure, everyone. To introduce you to our newest producer, Keith S. Keith, you're the man now, dog. That is right. So thank you to Keith. Thank you to Zach Attack. And thank you to Rusty, our Avenger level producers. Chris, let's get into lore. Let's do it. So Chris, we're going to start off lore the same way we always do. We're going to ask the question that frames our entire discussion. Who is Kingpin? Well, Jesse, I'm glad you asked. The Kingpin, as we kind of discussed before, is in everyone's memory eternally the boss of crime. And like I was saying before, really the whole Eastern Seaboard kind of runs the underbelly of that, the drug trade, illegal, illicit operations. But he also funnels a lot of those profits into very legitimate businesses that also make money because he is a money-making genius. You know how some people are just really good at making money, Jesse? I do. That's Kingpin. So Chris, when did the Kingpin first appear in Marvel Comics and the Marvel Universe? Kingpin was created by Stan Lee and John Romita Jr. His first appearance, of course, was in Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, Number 50, with the incredible and extremely key and very just kind of 
famous issue, issue 50. And of course, this is the beginning of that storyline, Spider-Man No More. It's got Peter Parker walking towards the looker and Spider-Man walking away much larger than Parker, looking over his shoulder back. And this will also kind of tie into Kingpin's origins. So that is his first appearance, of course. And in this first appearance, like I'd mentioned, and I'm sure we touched on in the Spider-Man episode, that was so long ago, though. Peter Parker has retired from being Spider-Man for a very brief moment of time. And, and of course, this plays a lot into Kingpin, a.k.a. Wilson Fisk's uh, origin in a lot of ways. Not his origin, but as he kind of bursts onto the crime scene, so to speak. Okay, Chris, so this is an interesting question for this character in particular, because once again, we're on the street-level characters where sometimes this is a nuanced answer, but what are Kingpin's superpowers? Hmm. Kingpin is not technically a superhero, but I think they should just kind of go ahead and say that he is. So, of course, at least when I was a kid, everyone knew, you know, Kingpin's not really fit. It's all muscle, man. Right. You know, that was that was the whisper around the schoolyard. That's right. Talking Spider-Man. He's extremely strong, yeah. Yeah, but he's not superhuman strong. He is sumo wrestler strong. So, of course, for a, a human being, Kingpin is extremely strong. He is extremely smart. He is very agile. He's very swift for his size. He's tough. His cane kind of acts as a uh, energy absorption and redistribution, you know, machine called the obliterator. So he can literally obliterate things sometimes. And he's a top-notch martial artist. So all of this backing up the fact that he can command literal armies at times. Absolutely. And I thought you were going to say top-notch dresser there, because that is one of his superpowers. (laughs) I mean, that's, you know, depends on how you feel about his style. It's true. He has a very defined style that he figured out a long time ago, and he stuck to it, you know? He's a very classic man. So, Chris, that, of course, leads to the bulk of our conversation here in Lore. What's the history of Kingpin? So, you started with his first appearance. Let's continue on. Let's go ahead and back that up a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about his origins. But, I mean, like, I, like we talk about on some of these legacy characters and some of these big influential villains, a lot of times they are just kind of backdrops and just there a little bit at the end, especially in the early portions of their career. So we're going to try to go through this, though. He's done a lot. We're going to try to, you know, make this pretty short and just omit a lot of just kind of boring stuff or just skim over it. Or ho-hum, long time ago, doesn't have any uh, bearing on the Marvel Universe at the moment, I should say. Not boring. I'm sorry. Not a lot is is known about Wilson Fisk's childhood, and there's been some conflicting origins on him. That, For instance, the Spider-Man cartoon from the 90s has a different origin from the comic books. But in the comics, essentially, Fisk is just a chubby kid. Dad doesn't like him. Dad is trying to be a gangster. Wilson kind of tries to follow his father in that line of work. And by the time he's 17, of course, he's already he's already a massive human being. You know, 17, 18, high school age-ish, he tries to do a job with his dad, and the police are going to catch him, and they're running up a fire escape. And Wilson cannot make a jump to catch a, a ladder. And his dad just kind of leaves him be. 
this kind of informs Fisk's feeling about other people. Casualties are going to happen, you know? Things happen, and he's okay with that. He's okay with using you as a pawn in his in his great game. He's okay with you getting taken out. That's Wilson Fisk. He is a master chess player, of course, and this is where that starts. Following this, he gets into crime on his own. He starts running some things. He This is when he starts physical training. I mean, he goes from kind of floating through life to extremely, extremely focused. This is when he becomes huge, you know, just all that stuff. Uh, he begins kind of running gangs and running little crime rings uh, immediately here too. You know, low level stuff, but nothing crazy. And as he took over juvenile gangs, uh, these gangs are going to start being used by the mafia. He's going to keep run, uh, rising and rising and rising. And eventually he is going to take over the uh, Rigoletto operation. And that is going to be what he uses to come to prominence. And as I said earlier, he invests all his his illegitimate gains into legal ones, cleans that money, launders it, really, really spick and span. Mm-hmm. So this is going to bring us to Spider-Man's retirement. When Peter Parker walks away, this presents Wilson Fisk with a an opportunity. He's been in the criminal life for a couple of decades now, so we're you know we're we're in his late thirties, early forties. With Spider-Man walking away, he's going to have an opportunity to unite all the crime families and operations in New York. And he's going to do this. And it's going to lead to a crime spree and rising crime in New York that was unparalleled, thus getting Peter to put the suit back on. Spoiler alert. This will start Wilson's arch villaining of Spider-Man. He will lose his empire. He will gain his empire. He will lose it again. He will torture Spider-Man. He will run Hydra. He's going to retire. He's going to come back. But one time is going to be different. He's going to come back. He's going to focus more on the politics. His puppet candidate actually won the New York mayoral election. But Daredevil knows. Of course, this is going to really begin that Daredevil, Kingpin, love affair, the yin to the yang, the Batman to the Joker type thing. Of course, they never rise to those heights. Through his feuding with Daredevil, (laughs) Wilson will actually lead the hand for a while. He will be integral in his son's death. He will be blinded by his adopted daughter and Matt Murdock's not Daredevil, Devil's girlfriend, of course. So that's rather wild (laughs) (laughs) he's just a marvel bad guy for a long time until we get to that big event that all our listeners know and love civil war civil war is going to change things a little bit for the kingpin he is going to leverage information on captain america and captain america's allies with iron man for some freedom out of prison, which of course, not a big deal that he's getting out, but it's going to go a little different. You know, there's, there's all, all kinds of things that happen. He, he kills, <laughs> he has Aunt May killed. He has a run in with the runaways, which I'm curious to see if we'll ever see in MCP. He will become mayor 
of New York City for a time and really, right. really, really go hard after Daredevil and just vigilantes in general in the uh, 616 universe. And that all starts with that that civil war, with that feeding that information to Stark in the power and freedom that that kind of netted Fisk. So I'm going to leave it off there at his mayoral run. You know, we like to kind of talk about what these characters represent and talk about kind of who they are more so than the stories they're in. So does any of this surprise you? Does any of this kind of change your feelings about Fisk? Or have you been exposed enough to him to to not really be changed? The latter of what you said. But, you know, he is the stereotypical villain crime boss who's got everything together. You know, everything's going all according to plan. And that's a big part of his his character. You know, he is kind of that mafia crime boss but on another level because he is in the marvel universe so he's the next level of that archetype we've seen before you just nailed it the marvel level up of archetype hyper characterization hyper you know it's it's a superpower in a way right exactly he's bigger than the normal crime boss exactly just like bruce wayne's superpower is that he's a millionaire or billionaire (laughs) sorry i should touch on one thing that i haven't touched on previous That's, of course, his wife, Vanessa, who plays a big role in not only his life in the comics, she is the original reason he kind of retires to Japan. You know, he he was already linked with Japan through martial arts and things, but, you know, and he, he becomes a spice trader. When I said he's good at making money, every time he falls, he moves, gets back into spice trading and just becomes rich again because I natural talent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But of course, with that money comes the power to be that that criminal overlord again. And and you know, I think something that is kind of unique to him with other Marvel mainstay villains is that he's not always necessarily trying to take over the world. Yeah. Or even do the most evil thing. Yeah, I, I really do think he loves the citizens of New York in his own own way. Maybe I've missed something, but He's just an interesting, interesting guy, and he's, it's kind of an, uh, an awesome case study on a super villain-style mob boss. Just what does that look like right. in a universe filled with superheroes? So, yeah, I'm always a big fan of Wilson Fisk. He's cool. He's an interesting <laughs> character. Well, you touched on Vanessa, and I'm glad you did, because not only have the comics done things with Vanessa and his family, and you already mentioned some things with his children, but, you know... The movies and the shows have done a lot with his family because it seems in the modern Marvel sphere, Kingpin's family is an an integral part to who he is, whether it's, you know, good or bad. It's one of his motivations and one of his motivations for making more money or staying in more control or keeping the vigilantes away. That's always interesting to me, Chris. I don't know. Vanessa's kind of his Achilles heel in in a positive way. It makes him more human, makes him less evil. Yeah, she she brings the goodness out of him or right. calms the ruthlessness. I'm not sure. Yeah. He loves her more than he loves crime, but he can't stop. Crime is just in his nature. Absolutely. And that's something they really explore really beautifully in the Daredevil show. Yes. Which we'll get into now. So I'm going to talk about Kingpin's appearances in the MCU, but more importantly, He hasn't been in the MCU yet, so just all the Marvel cinematic features up to this point. So, Chris, he was first actually in a Marvel film in 1989. It was a TV film 
Okay. Called The Trial of the Incredible Hulk with, you know, none other than Lou Ferrigno. Oh, yeah. And John Rhys Davies played him. That's the infamous Gimli from Lord of the Rings. And of course, John Rhys Davies was in, you know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, the man's rap sheet is incredible, but he was the first kingpin on screen, though a smaller part in a TV film. He was the first kingpin. Very cool. Very exciting. Cool piece of trivia there. But then, of course, how, how could we forget in 2003, we got Michael Clark Duncan as Wilson Fisk. And what a what a perfect casting take on Wilson Fisk that Michael Clark Duncan was. And, you know, he's one of the standouts of that Daredevil movie, Chris. A lot of people have referenced, you know, the good and the bad of that movie. And he's always on the side of the good, you know? He's always one of the gems in that thing. Absolutely. And he had some iconic suits and looks and some iconic monologues and scenes in that as well. Now, of course, we fast forward to modern day, the most prolific and most established and most screen time kingpin we have, period. And the best. And the best is Vincent D'Onofrio in Netflix's Daredevil, which we've already recommended our Daredevil episode, which we will recommend again because I will say the Kingpin recommendation is even higher than the other characters' casting recommendation. It's the highest recommendation on the show, in my opinion, and one of the reasons you watch it. And Vincent D'Onofrio nails this character, Chris. He nails the nuance. He nails this, uh, as you just mentioned, love of Vanessa and want to have a family, but also his love of crime and being control. And he can't rest that control. I think he loves control and uses crime to achieve it. Yeah. And I think he loves control because he has a lot of fears and he has a lot of trauma and he has a lot of anxieties. And they actually explore some of that in the show. They explore trauma with his own father, as you alluded to earlier. It spoke on earlier in the comics but also a lot of things that happened in his life, you know, and the time he spent in prison, all these things, they're all explored in the Daredevil show. Vincent D'Onofrio is incredible. I mean, like I said, if you've heard him speak in real life, he has a, a higher pitched voice with a, a different cadence. And then, you, and then he has this voice for Daredevil and this stance and this look on the Daredevil show. It's just unbelievable. Now, fast forward, the last version of Kingpin we had... 2018, we got Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. It's so good. And it's Leave Shriver, of course, played Kingpin, which is great because he played Sabretooth. And so now he's kind of played two iconic Marvel villains in the non-MCU, right? So maybe he'll get brought in the MCU at some point for a different villain, or maybe, I don't know. But he did a great job as Kingpin as well. And once again, what a nuanced approach and look at Kingpin in that movie because Kingpin is the primary villain in that movie as well. And, you know, Kingpin's ruthless in that movie and it's an animated film. It's great. Everything about that movie is great. It's so great. And this character is great in the cinematic universe. I can't wait till Vincent D'Onofrio comes back, Chris, because there's no world where I think that Disney Marvel does not make that mistake and they cast someone new. I I think they just stick with him. Bring him in. If they go with someone else, that person either will be or had better be incredible. Right. But I don't even think they're going to go that route because I think Vincent D'Onofrio's performance is so good and so compelling and so powerful and so scary that they don't even want that in the back of people's minds, you know, comparing exactly. the new person to him. And I think they're just going to bring him in. I think they're probably going to bring him in the She-Hulk show, you know? I hope or so. one of these Spider-Man movies or something. They're just going to bring him in as an initial appearance, and then hopefully he gets fleshed out later in something else. 
that's my current theory. We'll explore it more in our MCU-centric episodes, but cannot wait till Vincent D'Onofrio is back. That is my number one, because I've said this before on the show, Chris, and I'll say it again. If you include the Netflix shows in the MCU, which at, at a time they were part of the MCU, kind of, now they're not. But if you were to include those in the MCU, I think without a doubt, Kingpin is the best villain we have in the MCU, rivaling Thanos. Like, I think Thanos is the culmination, obviously. It's almost like Thanos is like perfect in execution and you just can't, you just can't be topped. But then you take it down one notch, you know, and you're right there. And I think uh, this Kingpin is just, he is a villain that I love. (laughs) I can't say that, Chris, about half the villains in the MCU. And that's part of the reason why the earlier films were weaker is because they always had forgettable villains. And when they started locking into these more compelling, well-written villains, that's when the MCU really started taking off. You know, Loki was a good early point to explain that's that, the you know? secret sauce man yeah it really is that's a- and then compelling villains there's no middle ground in the mcu <laughs> why do you think batman has had such staying power because he has the greatest villains on the planet exactly i mean even spider-man right we've talked about this a lot even some of spider-man's villains are more one note but they're so well designed and they're so consistent and they're so visceral sometimes like someone like the lizard, you know, it's pretty simple character, but I Spider-Man's had lasting power for obvious reasons other than him being Peter Parker is such a likable character and Spider-Man. You've got to have the villains too. got to have them. They're essential. This is why people love Magneto, myself included, you know, Magneto's not a villain. Magneto was right. Magneto's a villain. He's just, uh, he's more gray villain, which makes him better, but he's a villain in the eyes of the X-Men and that keeps the X-Men going sometimes, you know? Well, catch up on the current product there, bud. Oh, I know. Yeah. All right, Chris. So closing out our lore section, we're going to need some Kingpin comic book reading recommendations. So given what I was talking about earlier with the the fact that you've you've heard about a lot of these stories he's been involved in already. I'm honestly going to give you guys one recommendation, and that's Amazing Spider-Man Volume 1, Number 50, Spider-Man No More. Go ahead and read that arc all the way through, and we'll, we'll call the homework good for this week. All right, you heard it here. All right, Chris, it's time to move on to strategy and talk about Kingpin and Marvel Crisis Protocol. So let's get going. So starting with Kingpin's card, his name is Kingpin and his alter ego is Wilson Fisk. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of five, a movement of short, a height of three, a little different than normal, and a threat cost of four. His defenses are four physical, three energy, and three mystic. And Chris, on his injured side, he has a stamina of seven, taking him up to a total of 14, and nothing changes on his injured side that we're about to read. Thoughts on our four threat leader, Kingpin, here? That's a lot of beef. It's quite a bit. It's really good. And his defenses are respectable. They are. I'm never a fan of short movement. I know we will address that a little bit later. The size three is an interesting and welcome move yes four threat is very interesting for a non uh meta like superhuman character yeah lore wise yeah but of course we all know what you're paying for here well and i always rebuttal that every time you say that chris with the question of like do you think kingpin could go equal footing against someone like and just shoot a random four threat out black panther yeah 
I think he could yeah, for maybe. a little bit. At least recent iterations of Kingpin we've seen. But as you said, Chris, every time we have a character that's a leader, their threat cost is always interesting. You know what I mean? It's one of those things we've talked about before where it's like Cap can't necessarily keep up with the other fours in the game, power level wise, but his leadership is so powerful that it's a built-in tax to his own character, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's what I was kind of referring to what you were paying for here. I'm going to spoil before we get into some of these things on his card. Cap is not keeping up with Kingpin. Kingpin is a very scary four. So we'll start with his attacks. Starting with his first attack, it is a physical attack called Headbutt. It's range two, a strength of five and a power cost of zero. This is his strike. After this attack is resolved, Kingpin gains power equal to the damage dealt. He also has a wild trigger for stun. After the attack is resolved, the target character gains the stun special condition, and he also has a wild trigger of push. If the target character is size three or less, very nice, before damage is dealt, they may be pushed away from Kingpin short. So keep in mind, Chris, just for anyone listening at home, if you get one wild, you trigger both of these. That's how the rules of the game work. We learned it very early on with Hulk's card yep. when he has yep. multiple wilds on his card. This is very powerful for a five strength builder because we always love push and then getting a stun into that is great. But more importantly, Chris, it's a push of size three or less because it makes sense. Kingpin's a size three. Anyone his size or smaller, he can certainly push them around. Very thematic. So let's move on to his next attack. This is an energy attack. It is Kane Laser. This is the obliterator we talked about in Lure. That's right. It is a beam three, strength four, power cost zero. This attack ignores line of sight, and the defending character does not benefit from cover. So that's very cool. I love taking that cover away. I love beam attacks. I love zero power cost. Do not like <laughs> four strength this is his ranged attack for when he's not in headbutt range yeah if it's there and you're not going to move anymore or you're in the spot you need to be it's there it's there for you to use maybe but you're not going to be super happy about it it's not optimal we've talked about it many times in the past chris like on our taskmaster episode and us discussing sam wilson captain america recently on the news episode you know where they've just got those four dice shield throws like you're going to do the same thing with kingpin but Kingpin yeah. is actually better because it's a beam right if people are lined up you can get multiple off and chris i will say i've seen some late game kingpin players just when everyone's clumped up really really late game they just stop using strikes and they start just using beam <laughs> lots of little damage over and over again yeah know? yeah no cover either right 12 dice is 12 dice man <laughs> yeah three people in the beam yep but closing out his attacks he has a pretty cool spender it's a physical attack called Hail to the King, which is a fantastic name. It's also ranged to, like his headbutt strike, a strength of seven and a power cost of three, notable, but not out of control. Before damage is dealt, Kingpin may throw the target character short, and after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the Sagar special condition. So let's go through this step by step, Chris. As long as you deal one damage, you can throw a target character short. Notice this has no size restriction whatsoever. This is Dormammu's, actually one of Dormammu's only big fears across the table. Oh, yeah. 
Truth. Because you could throw a size five character like Dormammu. You could throw another size three or a size four character. It's not a big deal. This can win games because not only is he throwing a large character away and that, you know, messing them up, but he's throwing them into someone else. And that's a huge collision. That's a huge dodge save to make. And then you get an auto stagger. There's no wild triggers or anything. So this is one of those spenders you're, you're not afraid to spend all the time. We talk about on the show, you know, and just in passing too, Chris, like sometimes spenders is not the right thing to do because when right. characters have powerful superpowers and decent strikes, it's usually better to spend your power on the superpowers and the objectives and just do strikes. Not the case with Kingpin. Hail the King is too powerful. You need to use it when it's the right time. Stagger is awesome. It just is full stop. No explanation needed. Stagger is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Because like with this, Chris, he could throw a Thor, a Hulk, an Angela, a giant big piece. He could throw them and then give them a stagger. That is so detrimental. You know, he's taking away one of your actions of one of your high cost characters. It's control. Forcing you to have to reposition with that character. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In essence, you're kind of taking away or can be taking away both actions if, if it's the right time. Absolutely. But we need to move on to his superpowers. And I will read his affiliation before we actually get into his superpowers. Because he is the leader of an affiliation, Chris, which is pretty cool. Illicit Network. Affiliation Criminal Syndicate. So he is the leader of the Criminal Syndicate. Once per turn at any time during an allied character's activation, it may spend two power to use this leadership ability. Move one asset or civilian token being held by the active character to another character within range three. A character cannot hold more tokens than allowed by the crisis due to this leadership ability. Additionally, each allied healthy character contesting an objective token counts as two healthy characters when who is determining who is securing the objective token. This is Chris's least favorite faction to play on the table for that second part. They're not very fun to play against. They're really good at securing locations in the map, which makes sense with the illicit criminal network. But also, Chris, they got this cool part of the top where it's like, it's not going to happen very often. But like, say one of your characters is low health, they can spend two power to pass the civilian to a healthy character who's going to get out of dodge and score you those points and win. You know, it can win games. And, you know, their only weakness, obviously, with this is that when they are injured, they count as normal. They count as one model. So this is one of those things like you've got to get them injured. Unfortunately, most of the criminal syndicate are pretty tanky characters. So and Kingpin, we're saying, is one of those, but a very powerful affiliation, certainly. Extremely powerful affiliation, especially as we get more and more secure options. Absolutely. So let's move on to his first superpower that's just his, and that is street-level negotiations. It is an active superpower. It's going to cost you two. Choose an interactive terrain feature or an enemy character, both of size three or less and within range two, and throw it medium. This superpower can only be used once per turn. So a size three throw (laughs) medium which is great, mm-hmm. and it only costs two power. Doesn't cost three. Yeah, with such an effective headbutt as well, with such an effective builder, it's pretty good, man. Yeah, you're going to be throwing as much as you can with him on top of, you know, doing headbutts and hail the kings when you got the power. 
It's great. Once again, just furthers his control of one area where he's at. Moving on, Chris, he has a reactive superpower called intense physical conditioning. It costs one power. If Kingpin would suffer damage, he may use the superpower. Reduce the amount of damage suffered by one. That is so powerful. Every turn. Yeah. Reducing by one. You can tell I like it a lot because I say it's just so much, but it's a very, very good superpower. No matter how proliferated it is, it's awesome. Yeah, no, it's really strong. The only downside to it, Chris, which is really funny, is you're spending a power to not take a damage, which is awesome, but you're spending a power to not gain a power. You know, it's one of those things like the mechanics of MCP make you ask the question every time Kingpin's damaged, you actually have to think about, am I any threat of being killed or hurt, or could I just use the power? It's great. It gives them options in that way, but it is a little bit of battle math and strategy decisions for the player. And the more higher level you get in your play, you're going to know when to use this and you're going to know not when to use it. And I think that's a fun part of it. He's got options. And closing out his kit, Chris, he has an innate superpower that is insane called Solid Frame. This character does not suffer damage from collisions with other characters. Don't throw him. (laughs) It's not beneficial for you to throw him or to throw characters into him, even more importantly, right? That's really not beneficial because he just doesn't care. He doesn't. He's just pummeling his way through. He's a rock in the middle of the river, man. Man, it's so strong. 14 health. He can reduce. You know, you can spend power to reduce. As we mentioned, nothing changes on the back. So... Let's talk about some of Kingpin's weaknesses first. He's mainly range two. He does have a beam three, four dice attack, but that's it. And then, you know, he's a medium-sized base, but he's only a short mover. So his biggest weakness is he's not going to be a character who's like early game, one side of the board, mid game, another side of the board, late game, middle of the board. No, he's more like a character. You spend round one, just double moving, getting a position. And then the rest of the game, you're probably in one area and maybe move to another area at some point. That's just a feature of his character because he can only go so far. And you kind of want him to plant his feet and headbutt a lot and throw as much as he can and just be a problem. Like you want him on one of the secures because Chris, he's counting this too if you're playing in Criminal Syndicate. Now, if you're playing in Spider Foes or Cabal or something, also great teams for him. He's not counting as two, but he's holding a position on the map for sure. He's very well equipped to do so, and he's really good at it. He's the the fully evolved Luke Cage, you know? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking, yeah. We're going to cover Luke Cage soon. And, you know, Chris, you played him the other night, and he performed excellent. And I'm really happy that you got a lot of mileage out of him, too. But, you know, Cage is on a small base. Cage is three threat. He does a little bit less damage than Kingpin. You know, he doesn't have as many throws. He's got great damage mitigation. He's got great defenses. Kingpin's kind of like the final form of Cage. And they're both just amazing characters, like, planting their feet somewhere, you know? And I, I said the same thing about Lizard recently in our... Oh, yeah, he absolutely is. And you're seeing a trend here. It's like, this is something the criminal syndicate wants, Chris. They want the lizards. They want the kingpins. They want these kind of medium-based characters who can kind of just plant their feet on an objective 
and just push people off as much as they can and just survive and tank it. That's really the main goal of these characters. Now, where it gets complicated with Kingpin is you don't want him to die ever if you're playing Criminal Syndicate. You just don't because right. that, that affiliation is too powerful. If you have anyone healthy, they're going to count as two and it's going to be oppressive. So that's another weakness of him. If your enemy team just focus fires him over and over again, then you lose your Criminal Syndicate affiliation leadership okay that's the thing but it's so hard to kill him chris 14 health and he can reduce damage it's a big deal it just doesn't seem very feasible to kill him by round five sure you can you can it just doesn't seem something like something you can count on unless you're running a very killy squad it's easier to ignore him for sure yeah that's basically what i'm trying to get at yeah problem is is you can't really ignore him fully because (laughs) right He's just going to push you, throw you, hail to the king you, stagger you. He's going to do all these control things to you, and you're going to lose actions, and you're going to lose what you want to do in the game. So he puts you in a difficult position that way. And, you know, that's great. That's great character design. His defenses are really good. I mean, for a four-threaded, they're, they're completely in line with four-threat. Four-three-three, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses, really. I mean, obviously, you don't want to fight him with physical attacks. But outside of that, I mean, stay out of his range, too. Just stay out of it. <laughs> That's the biggest advice I can give. Just kite him. Portal away. Long movers. Webheads. Yeah, webheads. Pull him around. But, Chris, you know, what's fun about Kingpin is... I think if you like this character, he's a four thread that fits a lot of places in the game. And that's a great thing for the life of the game as well. More notably, he has a place in his actual teams, like the Cabal, where he's dealing damage, getting more power. And like the Spider-Foes, where he's helping you reach affiliation, but also, you know, he doesn't mind doing a little bit more damage through the Spider-Foes. So that's a feature as well. Though I don't think we see him as much in Spider-Foes, unfortunately. He's just too good in Criminals. He's just a really good model altogether. But yeah, I think that's what kind of takes him up. I think that's what you're paying for aside from the the obvious affiliation power. But it's it's that that Hail to the King, it really takes him over the top, I think. It's it's kind of the cherry. Absolutely. As we said to Chris at the top strategy, he is a leader. So there is a leader tax there as well. It's it's weird because it's like he's an excellent four, right? And then you add a leadership on top of that. So he's really right. bang for your buck. One of the better fours in the game. If you are playing criminal syndicate, just because he's can do so many things and give you affiliation. Well, and he plays into that affiliation so well with the tankiness yeah. and the, and the counting as two as, as we've stated, but yeah, it's just, it's a very harmonious uh, kind of pairing. Absolutely. And I think criminals are only get better with time when they continue to get more models, you know, more options on the table. So oh, I, I agree. Big time. We're going to see more Kingpin because he is the leader. I'm not excited about that. <laughs> and Chris, closing out strategy, you know, something I always want to do and at least touch on is this model. This is a great model. It's actually one of my favorite models in the game where it's like he's not doing anything super dynamic. He's just standing there with his cane, with his rings, with his tie. and He's crushing the Nelson and Murdoch sign off the lawyer building. Oh, yeah. Oh, nobody gets under his skin quite like Matt Murdoch. It's so true. So that was a nice little touch that AMG staff added to this model. They didn't really have to, but they did, you know? Oh, and he's adjusting his tie. Oh. Mm. Yeah. It, mm. it, it cuts a very nice figure. 
It looks good. It's so evocative of the character. Everybody knows who that is right away. So yeah, I, I would say this is a this is a quality sculpt. The silhouette is there. You're absolutely right, Chris. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like you could be across the gaming store and you have an idea exactly who that is. But yeah, a character we highly recommend. I think he fits a lot of fun places. And if you haven't tried him, try him and let us know what you think. Please do. Please do. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Catch us streaming Marvel Christ Protocol at twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest and follow our show on social media. Check us out on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Instagram and Facebook at Fury's Finest. It really helps us out when you guys like those pages and follow. We've been posting more on them, so we hope you enjoy that. Email us at Fury's at gmail.com with any show inquiries or ideas and leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out, especially if you are an Apple podcast listener, just giving us five stars really helps the show grow, get more people into Marvel, get more people into Marvel crisis protocol. Thanks to approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And as Jesse said, man, please just help get it out there. I'm back in Tulsa. We got big plans and we're really, really hoping we can make them happen. I I think you guys will be real happy with it. Yeah. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. We got a lot coming. You can find Chris and I on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Jesse Aiken. That's at J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And of course, I have a Star Wars podcast called The Canon Cantina. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Thanks for listening, true believers, and hail to the king. <laughs> hail to the king, but I also want to leave I want to leave everyone that's listened to this far with a little treat, a little bit of Kingpin trivia knowledge. Kingpin is a vegan excelsior the world has gotten even stranger than you already know at this point i doubt anything would surprise me tin buck says you're wrong 